So, this is podcast two. Thank you. Um, welcome to the second podcast in Drabcast series where we discuss the work of Dr. Rick Bowler with the man himself, hi dad, who also happens to be my dad. Hi, Bibi. Today, we're going to talk about your new paper. Oh, thank you, my dear. Which is, do you want me to announce it? If you wish if to. I've got it right. Whiteness, Britishness and the Racist Reality of Brexit. Yes, that is exactly the title. I thought I'd call it what it was. I think this might be the opening statement to your paper. Yeah. Whatever else Brexit means or does not mean, yeah. it certainly means racism. So, do you want to do a really quick summary of that? Yeah, well, a very quick summary of that paper is that um, tied into the idea of Britishness as a national identity is whiteness, which is a privileging social system, but the way that whiteness and Britishness have been forged together in national thinking has left a legacy. Part of that legacy is that the reality of Britain's racist history isn't really well known. And so people think these things are about identity and feel that their identities are under attack. And from the 50s through to the 2016 vote around the referendum on Brexit, the idea of the immigrant, the foreigner, the other, and a tainting of some kind of white national identity came back to the fore. It's been a long story. You mentioned something about the dangerous other. Yes, I think that, that in this idea that somehow whiteness can be damaged by this other. The, the, the fascinating thing about these things is that whiteness itself and the idea of white supremacy is not seen as the problem. It's seen as somehow now under siege from all these foreign bodies. In fact, actually, the problem is whiteness is it is not only a social construct, it is not only an idea that was made by men, humans, people, but mainly men, white men, but it is, it is a terrible idea that has forged endemic forms of domination, violation, mass murder, exploitation, and yet now here we are in the 21st century and people feel that somehow whiteness is under attack by these foreign bodies, as if somehow that's a bad thing. Whiteness needs to be... Well, they've been made to feel that because they're being told that it is. Yes, they they have. Yes, I don't blame people. um, I'm not suggesting people themselves. I think people have been sold a very bad idea, but it... And is it's that got the, legs so the paper is the, a paper an analysis right. of that that information has been shared to control a massive amount of people yeah no it's really important to say that this is not this is not a paper that is attacking anybody other than actually political and ideological forces in this society is that, that the perpetuates British establishment that you're talking the establishment, about yeah, yeah the establishment that perpetuate these ideas no, no, for most people who voted, I think most people who voted in that election had very little idea of what they were voting for, other than somehow the European Union, whatever it was, uh, whatever it is, was full of foreigners trying to dictate to a Britishness, and that Britishness needed to take back control. It was full of coded messages, yeah. which were heavily racialized. I wanted to hear something else, but I didn't. Absolutely. So it's not about white people and white working class people, particularly who were who were marked and targeted by the whole of this. It all black working class people. It's actually it's about the way race race and racial logics operate in society, and 
how they've been used as a cover for post-industrial decline, the, the ferocity of neoliberal capitalism and the um, nastiness of austerity as an excuse for exceptionally rich people stealing money and fiddling the banking finance system and then being bailed out. Yeah, people I don't think realise that austerity is one possible solution, solution that yeah. there are many and austerity is, isn't a state that we find ourselves in accidentally we fell down the austerity hall no no absolutely it was, it was placed a choice. on us yes it was a choice yeah. by politicians yeah. and the political elite yeah. to implement uh, a way i would have argued to cover up for the default in their in the system that we have which is a very 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 commodifying and unequal system the rich yeah. are getting richer on the backs of the poor reading recommendations by dr rick Simonandon who's now passed away, is a stunningly wonderful human being, wrote prolifically for race and class, and wrote prolifically in the sort of 70s and 80s. His social history of those times are still absolutely crucial for anybody interested in British history. As a journal called Race and Class, and Sivanandan's contribution to British society is to try and find a way of having an explanatory framework that could help people to seek a better world. Renault Edel Lodge, who's just written a book, I think, called Why Do I Not Want to Talk About Race with White People or something like that. So, yeah, I can't remember, I'll have to get the title of the book, I've got it upstairs. Is it um, in your bibliography? Yes, it is in the bibliography, and I think some of the, some of the quotes were taken from that book, some of the different writers, there's different writers, but there's a whole set of, there's, there's a great thing called di Media Diversified, where people like Renault Edel Lodge and other young writers have come through. And these were minoritised writers who couldn't get into the mainstream. So they weren't being employed by anybody, they weren't being given a chance to go forward. But these are really bright young people. You talked about capitalism in your article you write about the economy. Yeah. And the system versus the immigrant. We've got a, a long-standing problem from, as I would see it, certainly from the post-1945 period through to, to date, where in fact, actually, of course, we were exporting after the Second World War, before the Second World we were exporting white people to other countries under the auspices of civilising cultures. So New Zealand, Australia were obvious countries of this, but what was then Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, these countries were seen to be white domains. They were part of the colonial power of Britain. Britain's colonial power was really dying by the end of the Second World War. The, the independence struggles had, had won, the changing tectonic plates as they say of global power had changed and so Britain was having to rethink itself and what it did was it, it invited lots of people to come here to work because actually of course the war lots of people died in the war and, and as I say people were migrating to other countries from Britain so it invited lots of people from the Commonwealth to come here who all were British subjects and when those people came here they were treated really badly by large sections probably of the community. I would guess there was a schism. I would think that a good number of people in Britain wanted to welcome people and were open and positive and there was some research to talk about this in the 60s. But, you know, the, the government itself forged a set of lies, actually, for the British public around the issue of whiteness and it tied whiteness to British identity. And what it then did was it, it never put in the infrastructure needed to 
have new people going into communities. Up to modern day, you'd say. Yeah, yeah so it's so never that's... really happened. Therefore, that's yeah. why the system versus the immigrant... Well, it's why the lies life. of Brexit yeah. were so easily taken in. Because yeah. the issue, as I would argue, is about infrastructure. It's not about immigrants, it's about infrastructure. What drove me to write that particular piece was so much was written about Brexit, but it seemed to me there was a denial of any understanding about what the logics of race were in the Brexit debate. The places that are close to my heart, the North East, Sunderland, where I've done a lot of work, it's looked after me in lots of ways. You know, Sunderland's a predominantly white environment, but it's an industrial, post-industrial environment too. It's a, you know, it's a working class city that's had the heart kicked out of it by successive governments and its own people themselves I don't think always understand the history of Sunderland. It's a history of movement and migration whether from Wales or from Scotland or from other European countries or from Ireland. You know Sunderland has grown as a city on the back of industry and then it's now in post-industrial decline and it has also been a place that's been targeted by extremist right-wing groups like the British National Party, the EDL, UKIP. Is it fair to say the paper is an attempt to balance that out? The paper was an attempt to say that white working class people are not inherently racist, that there is nothing inherently racist about white working class people. In fact, working class people were the communities where most migrant settlers, black settlers into this country came and lived. There is a national attempt by white middle class people really, if we put it in, that, in those terms, to mark out working class people as aberrant. Actually working class people in this country are black and white, that's the other false dichotomy that's never really understood. And we saw that with Grenfell Towers, I mean it was very obvious that that was a, as much about class and gender and as it was about race, it was about all these things. And that's really the kinds of discussions that ought to be happening. So my paper was really to try and realign people's thinking. But I am very particular, as you know, about trying to ensure good quality arguments about where this thing called race is lived out. How is it reproduced? What is it that we're talking about? And how can we, um, how can we better understand it in order to make some of these wider arguments which are really important? Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to read the article, find it on drabcast.com. Also, if you've got any questions, we are hoping to set up Twitter and Facebook and all those things. But for now, if you want to get in touch, if you do it through the website, drabcast.com. Okay, thank you for listening. Don't be racist. Bye. D-R-R-A-B-C-A-S-T dot com blah 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 blah